0: Hello, you're listening to the New York Public Library podcast, exploring great books and big ideas. My name is Aiden Flax-Clark. I work at the library and share some of our cultural programs with you on the show. A couple months ago, filmmaker Raoul Peck came to the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture to have a two-part conversation. One with Kevin Young, the Schomburg's director, and one with Paul Holdengraber, the director of Live from the NYPL. Raoul Peck, I'm sure you know, directed the documentary I Am Not Your Negro, which envisions an unfinished book by James Baldwin. The book was to be called Remember This House and was intended as a personal account of the lives and assassinations of Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr., all of whom were Baldwin's friends. When James Baldwin died in 1987, he left behind only 30 completed pages of his manuscript. The film, voiced by Samuel L. Jackson, journeys through Black history from the civil rights movement to Black Lives Matter. It's amazing and was nominated for and won countless awards around the world. The New York Times called it life-altering. A lot of that greatness stems from the unprecedented and unfettered access that Raoul Peck had to James Baldwin's archives, which, as of earlier this year, reside at the Schomburg Center. It's a huge collection that includes all kinds of handwritten manuscripts, unpublished and published works in their nascent and final stages, screenplays with handwritten notes, plus interviews, telegrams, personal photographs, letters, and audio recordings. Right before we get to Raoul Peck, Let me take a quick second to ask that if you enjoy this episode and haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we'd love it if you went to Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen and subscribe now. If you already are a subscriber, taking a moment to leave a review, especially a good one, would really help us out. And now let's get to Raoul Peck. The first part is with Kevin Young, the director of the Schomburg. And in case you're wondering, every time Raoul Peck calls out Spike, yes, he is talking to Spike Lee, who was in the audience that evening. thank you
1: all for coming out and thank you so much for making this journey here and for making this incredible film. Um, We saw just a little bit of it here. Uh, It brings up so much for me, whether it's the voice, uh, the montage, which is so beautiful here, um, the archive too, where he's writing about, you know, what you eventually found. Maybe we can start there talking about sort of the archive and how you came to Baldwin, which I know we all come to Baldwin in our own way and time, right? But also then how you came to this wonderful manuscript and and tell us briefly that story. Well, that's
2: a long story, so (laughs) I'm not sure I can tell it all. But uh, one aspect of the filmmaking part of of this film was that in 1991, I I did a movie on a documentary on Patrice Lumumba. I did two films, a, a narrative and a documentary. And I'm pretty sure that if I had not made that first film with archive as well, I would never have dared do the film the way I, I did it. So that Lumumba film was a sort of, that's probably one of the rare film uh, where I felt that I had total freedom. Uh, I produced it myself and, and I was ready to go as far as possible in terms of form and content. And that feeling, uh, I, I wanted to go back to that particular feeling, and that's how I I made that uh, I am not your ego, uh, because it was key for me to be totally in control, uh, not to be under any sort of influence, even positive influence. But I, I needed to find that film. I needed to uh, to give Baldwin the the biggest and the most elegant uh, uh, platform for his words that was the the agenda from from the start
1: did you know it would be his words uh, from the start?
2: Or? That, that was a decision <coughs> you know the, the the whole project was really about uh, I felt uh, you know 10 15 years ago that uh, we were coming in a world where um, ignorance had 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 more space than culture could you say then, that again uh- <laughs> <laughs> louder, <laughs> louder, and uh, you know that was after the you know the so-called victory of capitalism, after the the Berlin Wall fell down. Right. Um, it was the end of history. Mm-hmm. It yeah, was I remember the those... end of science. The um, end of race. Uh, the, that the happened a little race, bit later, uh, but there was no no limits. more racism. I remember those days exactly, and. <laughs> They didn't last long, but. And, uh, and I felt, you know, that, that was a, a time, you know, how, how can you as an artist react to that? Because uh, it's not about education, it's, not, it's really a huge backlash, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's, it can only be uh, responded with the collective, but we didn't have a collective anymore because the system had broken all our uh, pr- collective organizations, you know, it, has, it started, you know, not only at the end of the civil rights movement, because that's one aspect people don't realize. They basically killed most of our leaders. Mm. That's what happened. It's not. It didn't just end up. It, they killed them. Yeah. You know? So this has consequence, you know? Another part went into politics, which is basically go and, uh, you know, be handcuffed. Um, others were bought, some, you know, killed themselves. Sure. But that, you know, that repressive uh, uh, action had a result, which is it left us bare mm-hmm. without real leaders. And the other aspect, the, the whole republic as itself, you know, starting with Reagan or Thatcher in, in Britain, that's when they started attacking the unions, mm. attacking all organizations that were somehow the, the protection of, every movement, you know, no. from, uh, you know, uh, church organization even. You know, we were, we became all fragile, hmm. and uh, money got more importance. Uh, everything was uh, rational, uh, or not, rationalized. Okay. You know, uh, there was less money. Because nothing that was, was rational. After the, no, you know. that was no rationality <laughs> in that. Uh, it was after the, you know, the '73 uh, uh, cra- crisis, yeah. You know, where then all the budgets started to be cut, etc., sure, right. etc. The fragility of our situation, the the rise of the middle class, the comfort of the middle class. So that's why today most of the middle class is afraid to lose whatever they have. You know, hmm. That keeps you in 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 shape, you know, in 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 line yeah you know so all this as the result of creating you know the perfect you know uh, being a citizen today is like being a perfect consumer hmm. you know that's what we have become and the technology helped us to do that as well we can basically uh, do the revolution sitting on our couch by tweeting <laughs> or facebook so uh, I'm, I'm hardly caricaturing, you know, it's it's really the way sure. I felt it. So again, to come back to the film, yeah. I felt, what can I do? Uh, and and my response to that was to go back to the fundamentals. And Baldwin, for me, was my own personal fundamental, you know. When did he, you come across Baldwin? Uh, very early in my life. I, I was around 18 and, and I read The Fire Next Time. Yeah. And it changed my life, basically. Yeah. Like, like he changed the life of many young uh, women and men. And by the way, both black and white in every sure. nationality. And uh, so I knew that, uh, you know, Baldwin had the words. Baldwin had the instrument for a new, a next generation to understand its world, its place in, in this uh, 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 big mess. Uh, and... Uh, so, my job was to bring back those words mm-hmm. in a form that was accessible for them as well. That yeah. was, that you could, you know, and make a film. It had to be a film, not right. a didactic object, but it had to be a film that you can enjoy, that you can, you know, let yourself go into and feel at home uh, and, be, and be confronted with Baldwin words. Uh,
1: right. And so that brings up a couple things for me. One is just thinking about the format you used, which I think is one of its big powers, and we got to see it here in this uh, short clip, of using old films, uh, westerns, um, and then the cuts to the still photography, which is just amazing. Um, you know, that image of the black mother and daughter, and they zoom out, and they're on these white and mannequins. And Golden Pox, a yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, another filmmaker um, who was multifaceted. And, and a great photographer. Yeah, filmmaker, photographer, musician. Um, so how did, how did you decide on that? I mean, it might have been an early, easy decision, but for us who might not make films, when did you decide, you know, I'm going to have this kind of dance between the images and the words of well, Baldwin?
2: Because in that case, the words were the most important. So I knew that I had to first work on the words, which is what took uh, the time I needed to, to find this, this what I call the libretto of yeah. the film, you know, to piece it in a play in a way that it would have a dramatic structure. not just It, it was not just a collection of Baldwin words. It, it had to be a story uh, written by Baldwin, told by Baldwin. That's what I knew that I had to do first. Right, right. And then uh, Baldwin himself is directing me towards certain images. You know, when you he talks about John Wayne, uh, uh, um, uh, Doris Day, uh, Gary Cooper, all that. So you knew that you would have to go through all those archives. Right, right? most of these Hollywood films where those. Actors play in, you know, Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte. So I knew those were the images that would be in the film. And then everything else is, you know, there There was no limit. It was about how do I find uh, not only uh, the best picture, not to illustrate, because if I had just illustrated, I would have be dead in the film. Right. It, you know, it, it was really about how do you find images that as such, already have some sort of power, right? you know? And then when you put them together with those Baldwin words, that they create something different, even that is, which is even bigger, you know? And how do you create thinking process? Uh, how, you know, and I think the film has that kind of uh, response and success because people uh, have to interact with it. You know, you just don't sit and consume that that film. You have to give yourself certain response. You have to confront your own personal history with those words and with those images as well. So it's a back and forth. And and the more you know or the more you bring into the film, uh, the more you get back from it. So it's, it's really about, you know, the only what I had, the only thing I had to make sure of in the beginning is that I gave myself no limit, mm-hmm. no limit in terms of the kind of material that I want to have. You know, uh, photos, film, 16 millimeter, high definition, 35, etc. I, I knew, and because I've done Lumumba as well, right? I knew that it can work. <laughs> you know, I had the proof already, right? Right. So uh, it was really about you know making it possible today and and have access to the most archive I could get my hands on.
1: And did you go around and look at these? Or, I mean, now it's a little easier, but did you visit archives besides the Baldwin Estate Archive? Or?
2: Well, uh, nowadays, um, because archive have been have become a, a huge business, mm. so most of them, of course, they, they find a way to put it in digital uh, catalogs as well. Uh, the only thing that, you basically paid for every step of the way. Right. Uh, when I was a young filmmaker, uh, usually you couldn't go yourself into the storage. You could, you know. I remember finding uh, rolls of of the assassination of Lumumba wow. under a desk. Uh, you know, wow. positive, not negatives. Positive meanings. They are the only film existing. Where was Africa, this? In Belgium. Wow. Uh, at the Belgium And did you, What did you do
1: with it? Uh- well, <laughs> uh, ask the head of a library and archive. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> we don't have to
2: reveal that. Well, at the time, I was an, uh, a young, honest filmmaker. So, <laughs> so I told them, yeah. I, in fact, I say, you can't let Lumumba here on the dust like Right, that. right. No, that's right. So, but it's, there was. Um, I think a naivety as well that they don't, I don't know if it was basically archived from Africa and they, they colonized Congo that this material was not that important. Right. I don't know. But the fact is most of those institutions, there was the museum of Tervuren, which is the wild museum of the colonial uh, uh, um Colonial countries that uh, of uh, of Congo basically, or basically because Belgium basically colonized Congo and, sure. and Burundi and, and Rwanda, uh, and I have access to all those photos, films. They they would let me in those <laughs> big uh, uh, offices and and. I could go out with all the photos I wanted in my pockets. Right. And, you know people didn't see archive that, that way, you know. It was yeah. not something that Here at the Schomburg Center. Yeah, yeah.
1: We, <laughs> we, we you we can't might've. do that.
2: You can't yeah. do that.
1: But we do have free access, you know. I yeah. mean I think I think what you're talking about in in a way which is one of my pet projects is access. I mean we have yeah. to have access to this material, catalog it and know it, you know. Yeah. Had you any sense that he had this unpublished thing? It was when you visited the family, right, uh, that you? Well,
2: uh, I had the rights for 10 years. I see. uh, Basically what no estate uh, do or no uh, author would give you. You know, you get uh, uh, rights for one book or one chapter or for a poem to make a film, but you never have access to everything. And that's what I, I had. You know, it's basically uh, Gloria, uh, you know, James Baldwin's sister. She basically trusted me uh, for that project. And because I, I told her, I didn't know what the film was going to be. Right. I was still playing with, with making a narrative and a documentary, you know, right. like I did for Lumumba, right. like I did for another film. Uh, and, and, uh, and I had to make sure that the, the film would be organic. You know, mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't be some theoretical idea that I had and that I wanted to, to make a film about. You know, all my film came out uh, out of a, f- a personal feeling or an emotion. And for Baldwin, beside the fact that I knew that we needed a Baldwin response, I, I still didn't know how to approach it, you know. And I knew because I have this incredible access that nobody else had had uh, before and and I don't know if Spike is still here I know you you had some fighting uh, with the estate at some point and they they are very <laughs> it was it it was okay but I know there was other uh, filmmakers as well that uh, who had uh, and for some reason I got away and and they they yeah. let me do and I was you know I told them I don't know what the film would be and within, you know, I went to different production. I was at Plan B in 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 uh, L.A. for almost a year, trying to develop a, a narrative. After a while, I understood that, in fact, they wanted me to do the whole job, and then they would, after that, find the money uh, everywhere. Oh, wow. So I say I can do that myself. So I left, and then uh, at that point, I know I say. I'm going to concentrate on the documentary because I know I can finance it. I can um, produce it. And uh, around that time, Gloria sent me those uh, manuscripts, which are notes, not a manuscript, in fact, but notes to a book that Baldwin wanted to to write and for which he already had an advance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in fact, they tried to sue the estate after Baldwin died. And when journalists start talking about it, they stopped, they they wanted the money back. And so what what was that
1: like to open that envelope or or have that moment of encountering what would become sort of the basis? Well, I didn't know
2: about that story. Other people knew about that book, remember this house. And for me, uh, the first shock was the way Baldwin linked Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr. You know, I, I never had the story told through that triumvirate, through those three, uh, you know, unique human beings. Right. And, and to tell the story of, of the, the uh, civil rights movement and of America today, because the, the, the idea of the book was much more than the civil <laughs> rights movement. It was about what is America today? Right. Where are we today? So uh, that was the, the first shock. And, and I say, oh, my God, th- this is, you know, this could be it. And and, uh, and learning that the book don't exist. You know, so for me, I knew, okay, uh, knowing Baldwin and uh, knowing most of his work, um, having read a lot of personal letters, having read uh, a lot of the letters to his brother David, where he would always try his projects, he would always, yeah. you know, tell him I'm thinking about this or I was angry about this and you could see where he's going, he's preparing <laughs> himself sure. for a next project or he's testing the mm-hmm, water mm-hmm. With, uh, with David. And so I, I felt, well, I can't understand the book, he he's he it's written already, but it's all over the place, it's all over his body of work. So my job is to go and find that book and put it together in a very, of course, modest way, keep myself as a director on the side. Not It's not my film, it's him. I'm just at, at his service, Yeah. you know? Of course, we are filmmakers, we manipulate. <laughs> that's, that's what we do, you know? But still, it's, I had to exercise myself right. to, when in case of doubt, in case when, when I didn't know how to continue, it was always, you know, what would he have done? And or well, I would read something else, or I would go into notes. I would check a, a footnote in a book about one name, and and that footnote would send me somewhere else, and then and I would continue. So it was really about how do you let the whole stage for these words and for James Baldwin on all the different levels where he, you know, he act. Uh, and so that, that, that was this magic. I, I knew, okay, now I had the red line to tell what? the story. You know, that book that was never written. And, and I could you, know, I think you the ma- three men. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. It's so
1: amazing, because I think you did make it a relevant film. I think everyone here would agree who's seen it, how much it's about now and how much it speaks to what we're going through. I mean, you know, Baldwin seems prophetic and uh, this,
2: he's speaking prophecy in these various moments. Well, um, it's, it's, that's, I, I tend to say, it's not prophecy. It's, he's so fine in his analysis, yeah. you know, that's what it is, he knows how to analyze. This uh, glittering republic, as he yeah. says. And it's he wrote so that 40, 50 years ago. I know. And it's so present because the way he saw this country or the rest of the world, uh, I, I read a long time ago an essay he wrote about Jerusalem, uh, dealing with the Palestinian uh, uh, situation and Israel. You can read that essay, It's I think it's one page and a half. It's exactly what the situation is today. Yeah. And he wrote it like 40 years ago. So he had a capacity to go straight to what is important Mm -hmm. and give it back to you in a a way that is universal and that will stay forever.
1: Yeah, and it has that beauty of his lines which you're able to make so powerful. Um, I'm running out of time, but I wanted to ask you. Already? Oh Oh. yeah, I know, it was quick, we just sat here. Um, I have a couple short things. Samuel L. Jackson, the voice, when did you decide on that? When did you know you could have Jackson be the voice of Baldwin, and how, how did it work so well?
2: Well, the first thing I knew, I needed, of course, a famous person. That's <laughs> You know that uh, you know our, what we do is hard enough, so you, you need uh, a backup, you know, somebody who will make sure that you are heard. And then I, I made a list of three... Um, Actors that I respect, that I whose work I love, and I knew Samuel uh, have been uh, you know on the stage. He's a great actor, uh, despite Tarantino. But <laughs> <laughs> just joking, <laughs> just joking, <laughs> just just joking. Uh, <laughs> um, and so uh, Samuel Jackson, because I knew that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 I knew that the, for the film to work, you you have to create a character, you know? It could not be a voiceover, yeah. it could not be a commentary. You needed the voice to be Baldwin, otherwise, you know, because you see him, you hear his voice, and you hear those words which, which are also Baldwin. Yeah. So in cinema, the only way you can do that in a cinematic way is to create a character. So you need uh, not a speaker, you need an actor. Right. Who's going to create that character and be that character. And when he succeeds in doing that, whatever comes out of his mouth is in character and is good. Yeah. The silence are good. Even the silence or feel of emotion.
1: No, I mean, he's the, definitely the way he,
2: acting he, he, yeah, and, and, and embodying. Yeah. So, so Samuel was on the first on my list of, of three. And through my lawyer, Nina Shaw, we, we decided to to write him. And and they responded. He responded within a few days. And Amazing. I talked with him over the phone. And in fact, he understood that very rapidly. I didn't have to do you know, Smart man, the, smart yeah, man. Wow. Well, he's an actor. He knows what, what to do. And, and we record the, the whole text in, um, uh, now I'm forgetting where, in, in Europe. He was shooting in yeah. the, in the East, uh, former East European countries. And okay. So.
1: Well, my last quick, quick question is, you were at the Oscars this year. I want to know sort of how that was like, but especially that moment we might have watched when Moonlight almost didn't win, do you have any insights well, it's,
2: into
1: that? It's, uh, you, you might recall that another movie. Well,
2: it, it was a, a very strange situation because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were there and we were seeing the price of one and, and Moonlight, of course, got important important price uh, awards and uh, but La La Land was getting a lot of accolade as well. So when they announce La La Land, so. Everybody clap. Uh, The black people look at each
1: other. (laughs) 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 They're like, you know, we know what's going on. (laughs) And
2: (laughs) (laughs) and so, you know, we were very polite. And so it's, (laughs) and then we start seeing a lot of guys with earphones, and they were not talking, they went through all the envelopes, trying, you know, it it was almost scary, you know, right. what happening. I don't think you were seeing that on TV, but uh, on the stage, bit, it yeah. was like, uh, it looks like forever, you know, they were going to each envelope, nobody was saying anything. Warren Beatty was like, and, you know. <laughs> uh, They were, you know, evading the thing. So uh, when the the La La Land producer said, okay, you guys, you won, and so we all stood up, and I cut the eyes of all my same colleagues, black people, (laughs) and we were crying, Uh, but we were all saying to each other, you know, imagine it would have been the contrary we would have burned down the
3: house
4: we, we would have
2: we, we knew you know it it would have been an o j moment you know it, it, it was and um and really that's when you see you know sometimes anger and and you know sometimes it things like this does happen and it's not always racism or that but in that case, there is no way that we would have swallowed that. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the fire uh, right was, now, yeah, you know. It, it would have been. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I could talk to you all night. It's wonderful to hear you talk about the film um, and, and think about it. We're going to have Paul come out and talk to you a little bit about sort of the arc of your career. But before we do, we wanted to play a uh, second clip from I'm Not Your Negro. Um, And uh, this is the end of uh, that
4: Cambridge debate that we saw a little bit of. Let me put it this way, that from a very literal point of view, the harbors and the ports and the railroads of the country, the economy, especially, of the southern states, could not conceivably be what it has become if they had not had, and do not still have indeed, and for so long, so many generations, cheap labor. It is a terrible thing for an entire people to surrender to the notion that one ninth of its population is beneath them. And until that moment, until the moment comes, when we, the Americans, we, the American people, are able to accept the fact that I have to accept, for example, that my ancestors are both white and black, that on that continent, we are trying to forge a new identity for which we need each other, and that I am not a ward of America. I am not an object of missionary charity. I am one of the people who built the country. Until this moment, there is scarcely any hope for the American dream because the people who are denied participation in it by their very presence will wreck it. And if that happens, it's a very grave moment for the West. Thank you.
0: Okay, that was the end of part one. Raoul Peck with Kevin Young, the director of the Schaumburg. Here's part two, in which Raoul Peck speaks with Paul Holdengraber, the director of Live from the NYPL. Hello.
3: Hi, Paul. So, so good to see you. Um, you have said, I am not your Negro, is almost a last warning. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering what you mean by almost a last warning. Might that be well the hopeful? the
2: almost referred to some sort of hope that I yeah. had. But uh if you listen to what Baldwin um have said and have written, basically what he's telling us, and meaning us, everybody, and he's is talking to the whole Western world, you know. Most of the, the uh, condemnation or analysis is doing. He never stay. It's not never about you know America alone or the South alone or or the white audience alone. It's about the Western world, the that world that have uh, exploited, colonized, uh, uh, have raged war throughout the world, and that have given us uh, the the world of today. and What he says, basically, is that um, today, and he's speaking 40, 50 years ago, all the evidence are on the table. You know, there is nothing you need to add. And the fact that 40 years later, that we still take that for today, uh, is that you cannot be innocent anymore. You know, those are strong words. He says also, if you don't realize that reality you are basically a criminal those mm, yeah. are strong words yeah. and he told it's going to be he said as well uh, toward the end of the film I don't know how it's going to end but it's going to be bloody it's going to be hard and all those words are telling us you know the answer is us what is our decision you know we can't continue to pretend that all those stories never happened.
3: And the answer is our clear analysis also is being able to really analyze the facts.
2: Well, he, he did
3: that yeah. and
2: he he but it, it's, and it's, our, it's clear it's for our, it's, our it's our about need. he gives it back to us, you know, to all of us. You know, what are you going to do? You know. We are here right now in a country where this is exactly the question we need to ask ourselves. You know, I can't take it anymore to see all the pundits every day, you know, uh, gearing for the next discovery, uh, uh, you know, commenting the next next tweet. Uh, This is not resisting. This is not being active. You know, we are still, you know, consumer. We are still uh, spectators, you know. It's like we are watching a train wreck bringing a whole country and not only this country, because if something happened <coughs> here, the consequences for the rest of the world are immense. You know, that's what this is a huge responsibility that this country has. Uh, and we, we are still watching it. You know, the same way we were watching uh, Obama struggling with that system. You know, I think we didn't do our job. You know, being on the streets, making sure that our congressmen uh, respond to what needs to be done. Do you have a feeling how Baldwin would have responded to Obama? uh, Well, Obama was not the problem. That's the thing. Uh, uh, I think uh, Baldwin, as the great elder that he always was, as the gentleman that he always was, would have been, uh, you know, he would have probably uh, tried to meet and, and... talk to Obama as an elder would do, you know? And that's what he did all his life, you know? And, and not only Baldwin, people like like uh, Sidney Poitier, like Harry Belafonte, all those uh, people, you know, we don't know most of what they do because they don't go to the press to talk about it, you know? And, and, and I want to also say that for Spike, you know? People don't know all the things that Spike does. You know, they see the, the, the person, the, the uh, well-known celebrity, but a lot of those people, they know what they have to do, and they do it without trumpeting it uh, all over the place. So Baldwin uh, would have been there for Obama. and But again, what I stated uh, in the last discussion is that But they killed most of those people. And Baldwin was broke, uh, broken, as a person. You you see it, you know, he takes everything inside, and when he talks about those three friends, you know, in, in the, at the beginning of the film he says, I know how I can write that book, I know it would be a journey, and I know I would have to go back to the South, and I know, uh, I don't know what I will find, and I don't know what I will find will do to me. You know, those are the words of somebody who cannot take another blow you know that's that's the reality so uh we are i i don't want to say we are leaderless but we have lost a lot of our potential leaders and imagine a world with a a 80 year old martin luther king or 80 year old malcolm x you know this world would have been quite different
3: and the 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 voice you found uh, just to speak a little bit more about Baldwin, is the voice of Baldwin. I, I love this quotation which you you use of Toni Morrison who says on Baldwin at his funeral, Toni Morrison says, you gave me a language to dwell in, a gift so perfect it seems my own invention. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... She could be talking in more than one way of how Baldwin
2: affected you. Yeah, well, he affected uh, I think all of us. Uh, you know, we take for granted a lot of those, those things, but he have been the pioneers of, of all uh, most artists in this country. What was that word you used about in a Haitian? Uh, oh, uh, the the potomitan. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was telling you, potomitan in the voodoo ceremony is this. This uh, wooden uh, a trunk that you is in the center, and people dance around it. Uh, it's which is also the, the the place of reference. This is where you know you are, uh, you stand in the earth. And Baldwin has been that for for many of us, for many for generations. A signpost. Yes, is the, the the post where we we go back to, where we turn around. Who, who taught us everything? A source. Uh, somehow, yeah. yes. And and Baldwin have opened all those doors for 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 all of us and uh, and Toni Morrison of course I think without Baldwin it would have been hard for Toni Morrison to to become the the, the great writer that she is and he opened the doors and 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 you can also see the how uh, little progress we have made you know today it's impossible on national TV to have a man like Baldwin talking for more than 45 minutes like this. It's impossible. 45 minutes or 45 seconds? No. So, well, Today it's in second. Yeah. That's that's the thing.
3: I want to talk about anger. Um, these two sentences taken together. You say in a movie that I absolutely love, which will come back to profit and nothing but. You say... Why make films? Perhaps because we don't know any better. Perhaps because it's better than burning cars. And then in in I'm Not Your Negro, Baldwin says, I never really managed to hate white people, though God knows I have often wished to murder more than one or two. (laughs) these two sentences taken together seem to me to have an extraordinary power.
2: Well, it's it's the distance that you have to bring, uh, especially as as an artist or as an educator, or as an intellectual. Is is that of course you you feel the anger and every day, you know. And uh, but how do you you know that the anger will bring you so far, you know? Uh, and that's one of the things that. Uh, the system, you know, have to keep us busy with our anger because that's what it does. You know, it keeps you busy, your anger. Uh, I I remember a guy um, uh, after September 11, I was in a subway and uh, the guy, he he looks crazy. People were avoiding him and, but he was saying something that I kept because that's, that's the way you should uh, see, uh, you know, your life. And he say, I'm not letting anybody pay rent in my head, you know. And that's exactly that, you know. Uh, (laughs) Not letting. (laughs) Because, yeah, he was, you know, and I remember that sentence. And it's like, that's what that anger do, you know. Let's say you you go out of your your house and and then you get to to buy whatever and then the person don't react the the right way and you're insulted. And you're going to be angry the whole day. But that means that guy who is going to continue to do whatever he's doing um, don't know about it. He's renting that place in your head, you know, for the whole day. So you need to find a way to deal with that, you know, because that's that's a way to to reduce who you are, you know. And Baldwin says something very important: never let anybody define who you are. You know, you are the only person defining. Who you are and who you want to be and so that means also don't let anybody control your your minds your emotions your anger or not and your
3: anger in some way can be for you channeled by making films
2: well that's it's, it's the way uh, i found to be uh engaged and polite and not you know burning cars <laughs> and and uh, you know
3: it's it's interesting <laughs> you you speak about polite because you often uh, focus in your films when truth is spoken to power in an impolite way, yeah. those are the moments you you enjoy. For instance, um, when Harry Belafonte, who we speak who speaks very forcefully at the height of his celebrity, he says a great middle stream in this country of people who have refused to commit themselves or even have the slightest knowledge that these things have been going on. I mean, and one one sort of wonders you know where are the belafonte speaking in that way yeah. in an angry way yeah
2: it's 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 hard i know uh, it's um uh, i i don't have any response to that um i just see uh like those young people black lives matter you know sometimes i feel that we are letting them down you know it's like Baldwin at the beginning of the film saying, you know, somebody should have been there with them, you know, and that's what I feel is happening. Uh, when I was younger, uh, when we went to demonstration, you know, everybody was there. My teachers were there. the The people at my university they were there. My teachers were, and then we would talk about it in class. Uh, there were coalitions. Uh, the same people who were fighting for Nicaragua for uh, for Chile uh for for Turkey, they were in the streets together. They were, you know, people would talk and work together. Uh, the women movement, they, they were in the street with all those groups. Today we lost that battle. You know, the system have created divisions. Uh, we all have our individual issue. The the gays are on their side, the trans are in the the, the blacks are on their other sides and and you, you can't win battles when you are divided like this. You know, you need coalition. You need to build up a, 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 a movement. Uh, the civil rights movement is the perfect uh, uh, example. When, when Baldwin gives you all those, when he said, I was not member of the LSSCP, I was not a member of the Black Panthers, but he's basically giving you what you need to do. You know, all those organizations need to be there. And together you know including the jewish organization the church organization everybody was there you know even the communist party even though uh, they were sometimes uh, uh, the victims uh, of the system but everybody was there and it took times you know you had to build that resistance you know it's it's people got training they uh, it was about raising money it was about you know find new ways to confront uh, the, 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 the power, and, the, and, power. And, the, and, and practical and ways. We lost that because again, they they killed a lot of them, and and the system made you believe that you had won. You know, we have Black History Month. We have Martin Luther King Day, but, uh, but by the this, way, yeah, uh, we celebrate the Martin Luther King that was the peaceful preacher. We forgot the Martin Luther King that was against Vietnam. And, yeah, and the, the the speeches of his the last two years of his life you can hardly get them. You know that's not the speeches that are reproduced. Uh, and uh, the two men that's also an image: Mark, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, shaking hand, coming back together. You know we forget that those men did their homework. They understood that the, it was not just about race, it was about class. it was about the bigger fight in this country because the big elephant is the inequality in this country, whether black or white. you know they, they push us against each other you know so that we have Trump electorate and Sandy uh, uh, San, uh, Sanders, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders uh, uh, electors you know as if they are contradictory. You know, those people used to be in the same camp and the same side. So uh, that whole thing also has pacified the whole, the whole situation and have divided us. But Malcolm X, when he left the Nation of Islam, he traveled through the world. He met other leaders. He understood that the fight was much bigger than just about race. Race is part of it. They use race, by the way, to keep us down, to keep us apart. And when those two leaders understood that that was not the way to go, that's when they became really dangerous for the system. That's when they had to go. You know, There is no uh, other explanation than that, you know. And when we celebrate that, that's the way to, uh, you know, put them in the grave again, you know. And by the way, we don't have a Malcolm X Day. Okay,
3: we <laughs> we memorials, celebrations um, can be so close also to amnesia.
2: Yeah, it's part of it. It's part of it, because it gives you the feeling that you've done You're doing well. You've done well, and there is nothing more to do. You know, we You've have achieved and and uh, what we have achieved is also to create uh, uh, a black middle class that, uh, you know, the role of that black middle class is a sort of puffer, you know, and, and make you because now they, you know, the, the thing that the, this Yale professor did is basically to say, you know, Mr. Baldwin, you are a famous writer now, you know, come on our side. You are on our side now. You know, you don't need to to be, you know, angry and, you know, you are one of us. You know, that's class division. And that's know, that, that's That's what happened today. You know, uh, that question I hear, uh, you know, recently in, in a talk show in France. You know, uh, they were uh, interviewing a, a French black rapper, you know, said, why are you still angry? You know, now you're a celebrity. You're making a lot of money. You know, that's a way to silence you. And uh, so we we have lost a lot of of um, you know momentum and organization uh, 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 capacity, and uh, and again uh, those young people uh, uh, in the street, Black Lives Matter. You know we need to do more. We need to do more.
3: You know, in the Lumumba uh, movie, you have an extraordinary m- uh, moment um, when um, he. Perhaps unlawfully takes prend la parole. It, he he starts speaking, and he says qu'ils entendent pour une fois la parole vraie. Ça les changera. Ça changera tout le monde. Let them hear for once real the reality that may change them. And it seems to me this there's a consistency to your work. Your, these moments are the moments you're looking for.
2: Well, the, those are moments of absurdity when, when you know, basically Lumumba saying, and that's the, the, the discourse he had at the Day of the, the Independence in, in front, front of, of the, the, bel- uh, the Belgian of king who, who made a speech where he said basically, you know, Congo should be happy that we civilize it and and we are giving you a, a country that is now modern and organized and, and thanks to the great Leopold II, etc. And And Lumumba, uh, you know, his speech was not, uh, he was not supposed to, 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 to give speak. a speech. No. And he just took the mic and, and, and hold the speech and saying, you know, and, and starting with, you know, uh, uh, to all the fighters. You know, he, he started his speech like this, you know, that you didn't give us independence, we took it, you know, and it was important for him to make sure that, uh, that people understood that. Uh, and then, yeah, he said that, uh, you know, what he, they want is real independence. And, and he was killed, you know, basically three months after th- that speech. And again, we have the, the the example of leaders being killed, and replaced by dictators. You know, people don't understand. You know, that's something Baldwin is saying as well: is know your history. You know, you need to know. You, know, you, you need to know all of it, and and your history is is as big as the world. And if you, you don't. Know, if you don't know the history of Haiti, the first liberated country <laughs> of America, you, you, you won't understand where we are at that uh, situation right now. Uh, and uh, how most of our leaders everywhere Uh, You know, the whole African continent is a story of leaders being killed. Uh, Beside Lumumba, there were, you know, Mounier, there were Ben Barker. There were many uh, important leaders of this young African continent coming to independence in the 60s. Some of them were killed in Europe. Uh, One Algerian uh, leader uh, was kidnapped. In France, in Paris, Ben Barka—that was a, a huge scandal at the time—and uh, it's the story of all this movement. And then they replaced them by by dictatorship, you know, for years. Mobutu uh, stayed in power those many years thanks to to the American administrations, one after the other. And,
3: um, and this moment is so extraordinary because then. Um, on the one hand, he's saying, "Let's have that one minute of silence." Yeah, and he's, he used
2: uh, uh, because Lumumba became a hero, and that's what dictator does. They recognize the hero and they capture it. Uh, co And Mobutu knew how to do that, you know, because uh, Lumumba was reversed And uh, but he was one of the people helping to his uh, assassination, you know, and and the. People you see in that scene, you know, uh, we research all of them. And that was important to see. Those were Belgium councillor. There were a few ambassadors. There were uh, Belgium secret service and uh, the ministers of Katanga. All those people were really there. And and that was important to, to, in fact, the scene is a reconstruction. It's not narrative. It's not fiction it's really a reconstruction you know what cars were there uh, what uniforms they had how many soldiers they were it's it's basically a, a reconstruction and it's reconstruction. Always a very
3: i think a very interesting balance in your work between fiction and documentary because they they il y a un échange there's a real exchange between the two
2: yeah, well, it's, it's a way, you know, I've, I've uh, one of, uh, there is a book about some of my screenplays and uh, I, the title I chose was so we- Stolen Images because I felt that's what part of my job is, you know, we, we came in an industry and again, Spike is the witness of that, uh, where there was not a place we- taught for us. But you could you know, be seen. And uh, well, or if we could, you know, the generation before us, uh, you know, the Aile, Gerima, Charles Burnett, they were the first to go to film school. Before them, they were telling us, yeah, they were, they were our pioneers. And before them, they were saying, you know, well, you can't be in the industry because uh, you have no skills. They went to get the skills. Then they start to tell, well, you have no experience. <laughs> and, and then uh, Spike generation and my generation, that's where then uh, we show them that we have both. We have the skills and we have the experience. And they could not stop us. And. Uh, <laughs> and. That makes, made a lot of change. And Spike Lee also make, made sure that black and women and, and Latinos came into the unions, you know. It, it, it took a, lo- a lot of time before, uh, even in France, where in the cruise, you know, it took a lot of time to see the first Arabs or the first blacks, you know. First they were, uh, you know, the one holding the cables. You know, it took at least ten years to see the bl- the first black AD, or the first black camera assistant. You know, and so it it's it's a struggle. And when, as filmmakers, unfortunately, uh, we cannot just do another film and say, you know, I, I feel I can't I can't have even the fun to do a scary movie ten. You know, <laughs> I could say, okay, I want to make some money. I'm gonna. Because you feel that every film has to count because there are not so many of us. You know, you, 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 you have but this, w- oh, no, excuse me, go ahead, and, sorry. <laughs> and uh, the thing is when you make a film, you have to somehow try to save 100 years of film history where you are totally absent. So you have to make sure that this is preserved as well, you know, uh, because nobody have told your story. And, and I said as well, for women, you know, women, you could do, redo all Hollywood movies of the last hundred years through women point of view, you know, you would see a totally different kind of movies, you know, so all the thing that we have to, to catch up on, you know, so uh, women directors, it's the same, you know, they don't have the total freedom to just be a director you know, you feel some sort of responsibility as well, you know, you want your kids to see a film where they felt totally at home, that you're not trying like we were doing with John Wayne, trying to root for John Wayne at the same time, you feel that something is wrong there, you know, I cannot be John Wayne, you know, I cannot be part of that story, the way it is told, you know, so, we need. To, it's part of the, the 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 struggle. It's part of the the conquest of your own identity, of your own history, of your own culture. And in you many know? of your films, you yeah. see young children looking
3: at movies, sort mm-hmm. of mesmerized. Yeah. Uh, because those are the images that will well. That's uh, where you. through
2: what we were educated, you know. And that's another aspect that people don't realize is that. American cinema is dominant cinema throughout the world. You know, when I was a young boy in Haiti, um, the film we want to see uh, Sunday afternoon were the westerns, were Doris Day, the musicals, uh, um, all those different uh, uh, films, you know, Jerry Lewis. I remember seeing those films. And when I went to Congo, uh, I was eight, Sunday afternoon, the same thing, the same films. And whether you were in Cambodia or elsewhere, it's the same story. So we were influenced by those images uh, throughout the world. And so that have consequences, you know? So uh, the, the reconquest is also to start feeding our children and, and everywhere different, in the world. Different images. Different, yes, different view of the world, different different perspective, different reality. Because basically you have a cinema that is telling the story from the point of view of the winner. You know, that's when I remember... The, the winner when, writes a story. Ex- exactly. I remember, you know, the incredible fact that, uh, you know, uh, America lost the Vietnam War. It, it was an incredible failure and, 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 uh, and a loss, you know. Hundreds of thousands of young people got killed there. And then they did Rambo, you know. Rambo won the war, you know. That—that's what uh, Hollywood did, you know. They couldn't afford to to to, to lose it. So, uh, so film is is also politic. Uh, Baldwin it's tells us. It. It, it's politic, it's power, it's it's uh, ideology, it's economics. it's, it's economic. You, you it, understand? It sell merchandise. Uh, so uh, the deconstruction that Baldwin does in, in the way he, he, he does it, it's, it's important.
3: You know, you, you th- this, this one line you quote of Chris Marker, which I so love, where he says, films that make the heart beat faster, yeah. which seems to me the kind of work you're trying to do. That's what I try to do, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I... Um, I, I mentioned that there, there is um, there is one movie that I really um, like profoundly of yours, a movie you made 15 years ago uh, called Profit and Nothing But. Um, when we spoke a little bit earlier, I told you, and you said this this film in some way has not not been seen recently, and I, wa- I want to make every possible effort. For people to go out and and see it and and um, understand that what you said back then,
2: and perhaps you remember the subtitle of the film. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's profit nothing but. Yeah, or impolite, impolite thoughts about the class struggle. Well, it's 2000. It's a film that was commissioned by French TV, where they. Ask a group of filmmakers, six of us, uh, totally free to, to choose a, a thematic that had to do with economy and um, with the state of the world. And, uh, but in a different way, you know, like documentaries, usually uh, you have an idea and you go in the field and make your film and you come back and edit your film out of your material and whatever it becomes. And for that film, they ask us to do the contrary, to start with our view of the world, and then make the film, that, that render, that position that you had. And, and I choose profit being at the center of our society today, which is an historically defined society, which is the capitalistic society. And it's uh, historically defined uh, up to today. So, and profit being at the center of it, that explain anything.
3: And now in, in closing you, the next film which is coming out now is about Marx. So capital and profit,
2: um, uh, I- interests that... Well, it's, it's again, the same way I wanted to go back to Baldwin as a fundamental in my life. Uh, uh, Marx was a fundamental in my life I, I spent studying. four years studying I, 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 I studied in an um, uh, academic context you know at the time in the Humboldt. You, you couldn't you know not read Marx you know otherwise you couldn't follow any discussion uh, in, in Berlin I, I studied in Berlin uh, it was a very political place very cultural artistic place but also very engaged engaging place and Marx was something you need to know because Marx at that level was and is the only uh, person who really analyzed that particular historical society which is uh, the capitalist society and those instruments he delivers us or analysis instrument nothing else And by the way, a lot of people, you know, journalists, sociologists, uh, uh, psychologists, use Marxist uh, uh, um, element to um, uh, explain the world. You know, we use Marxist without knowing it. You know, the way you analyze a society, the way you analyze a community... Uh, the way a filmmaker goes somewhere to make a film, the way he interact with people, all of those are things that Marx have written about, you know. But we don't know it because we don't know our history. So the film I made it's about those three young people, you know, fleeing Germany because, uh, you know, Marx was married with Jenny, and they came to Paris, mm-hmm. and and they met Friedrich Engels. Who is the third one in Paris? Paris was the place of revolutionary from all over Europe. And uh, and they were in their 20s. And what they decided is say, you know, there is this famous sentence saying the philosopher have analyzed the world, but what we need to do is to change the world. And they just started and they study. they, you know, that's Engels brought economy to Marx. That's when he started studying. Uh, the economy, and by the way, people don't know that all the terms profit, uh, class struggle, those were terms uh, um, that were found by uh, conservative economists. Those were not Marxist terms, he it, it didn't invent those terms. Uh, he used his, his first task was really to read everything that exists and try to put it in, in a system that makes sense of. Uh, 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 of this society and to explain on what what are the element of this society uh, based on a certain way of work which is salaries you know salaries as such did not exist before the fact that you know the the it was about profit and producing merchandise at the same and how do you transform those merchandise into money and where money become uh, the, the goal Not before we produced merchandise for the benefit of people because you needed those merchandise. But merchandise became a financial tool and become, you know, where we have today a totally crazy world that function with algorithm alone. You know, you don't need to produce merchandise anymore because the algorithm produce uh, uh, riches alone as a closed system. So all these elements were uh, very important uh, or still very important because the society uh, never fundamentally changed uh, to to understand your society. And for me, in this crazy world of today and crazy world of ignorance, what you need to do is to go back to your fundamentals in order to find the response uh, that you can give today.
3: We began um, and will end with Baldwin. I want to show you a very short moment of Baldwin the year before he died.
4: There's uh, several questions here. You can choose which one you want to answer. Uh, They generally deal on the same broad topic. How would you assess the state of race relations in America today? How much change do you see since the fire next time? What are the true issues before American civil rights leaders today? Are any false so on? you'll see them all here <laughs> well it's a very difficult question to answer you know, seriously because it's um the question is the question sincere but it's po- but it's posed in such Let me, well, you know, what I would like to do, what I would really like to do, is an idea which maybe, maybe we can take hold of in this room. I want to establish modest proposal White History Week. Yes. <laughs> 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 well, the answer to these questions is not to be found in me. <laughs> but in that history which produces these questions. It's late in the day to be talking about race relations. What are you talking about? And if you have race relations, how can they deteriorate or improve? I'm not a race and neither are you. No, we're talking about the life and death of this country. And one of the things, I'm not joking when I talk about White History Week, One of the things that most afflicts this country is that white people don't know who they are, where they come from. That's why you think I'm a problem. (laughs) I am not the problem. Your history is. And as long as you pretend you don't know your history, you're going to be the the prisoner of it. And there's no question you're liberating me, because you can't liberate yourselves. We're in this together. And finally, When white people, quote, unquote, white people, talk about progress in relationship to black people, all they are saying, and all they can possibly mean by the word progress, is how quickly and how thoroughly I become white. I don't want to become white. I want to grow up, (laughs) so should you. Thank you.
2: Well, I think it's it's a good way to end this evening. Yeah. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank
0: you. All right, that was again Raoul Peck talking with Paul Holdengraber and before that with Kevin Young, the director of The Schaumburg. If you haven't seen I Am Not Your Negro, it's available to Amazon Prime members to watch instantly and appears to be on demand through a number of cable services. You can go on the I Am Not Your Negro website and find all of them. Next week, Studio 360 host Kurt Anderson on his new book, Fantasyland.